Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Cincy 360. About Cincinnati from Cincinnati. On ESPN 1530. Here's James Rapine and Mo Egger. No Mo today. I'm James Rapine. Great to be with you. This is Cincy 360. A lot to get to in the next hour, including Reds, including some college hoops. What Villanova's win means for the local teams. Yes, Xavier. Yes, UC. Yes, I think it matters. I'll explain why coming up in about 20 minutes, plus some Bengals on tap in the next 60 minutes. Uh, I'm James Rapine. By the way, this weather is awful. It's awful, it's awful, it's awful. Spoiler alert, I was at Great American Ballpark yesterday, and it looked great. I walked to Great American Ballpark. I'm there, and I started freezing. Freezing. Coldest. It felt like a Bengals game, Jim. It felt like a, a November Bengals game out there because it was windy, and it was like 45, it felt like. With that being said, winning cures things. The fact that the Reds, they took the lead, their first lead yesterday after 30 innings of baseball. And their pitching held it. Tyler Malley was great, and, well, they got their first win of the season. Here's the Hall of Famer on the call. They're standing here at Great American Ballpark. Iglesias trying to finish off the Cubs as he lets it fly, and it's a ground ball hit to third. Up with it, Suarez, a throw to first, and this one belongs to the Reds. A 1-0 shutout, turled by four different Reds pitchers. Tyler Malley goes six innings and throws one hit. Jared Hughes, a seventh inning. Wandy Peralta and Rysel Iglesias. The Reds are on the board for the first time here in 2018, and they do it by beating the Cubs one to nothing. Marty Brenneman on the call. News Radio 700 WLW. How sweet was that? It was huge. Um, and, and it's... In my mind, it's exactly what you needed. Look, the, the Nationals are really good. Mo and I sat here yesterday and talked about it, that we, best-case scenario, were hoping for a win against the Nationals. Didn't get it. Started 0-3. Yesterday, the offense, well, it struggled at times, and we will get to that in a bit. But Tyler Malley was great. Six innings, zero runs, one hit, two walks, seven strikeouts. Hughes, Peralta, Iglesias come in. They do their job, and boom, you get a win, a huge win on uh, opening day two, on the day of the Finley Market Parade, whatever it was. It didn't feel like baseball weather, but they got a win, and it's huge. Here is Tyler Malley with the media after the game. I guess we'll start with just first win of the season for the club. Just how important was it for this group to kind of experience the first win of the year? Oh, it was huge, you know, um, but it, it was going to happen, you know, regardless. Um, and um, I'm glad it could happen tonight on the night that I started. And uh, so many guys can contribute, you know, um, playing great defense. And then uh, the pitchers that came in doing a great job. And um, it was it was just an all-around, you know, team win, even though it, seemed like it was only 1-0. But um, just the plays that were made behind us and, and tucked back there calling a great game, you know. What did you like most about your outing? Um, just that I was able to locate my fastball really well. Um, slider and changeup came came along like 
maybe in the last couple innings, um, but for the most part, you know, that I was able to take over the game kind of with my fastball. Tucker was talking about your fastball location. Is that kind of your bread and butter that you kind of really build off your successes off your location of your fastball? Definitely, and then um, it makes my changeup and slider a lot better because it's it's tough to sit. Um, or it's tough to hit anything else if you're sitting on a fastball, especially one like in or whatever. Um, um, so, so that that definitely you know complements everything. That's uh, Joe Daneman of Fox 19 with Tyler Malley after the game, and, and Tyler was great. I mean, six innings, one hit. Heck, the one hit it could have been potentially if it, with a great play, not been a hit. I mean, he was dealing. And to me, that's exactly what the doctor ordered. That's exactly what the Reds needed. Now, will they win today? I'm not sure. They play at 640. You can hear it down the hall. News Radio 700 WLW. Cody Reed on the mound against John Lester. With that being said, I like what the Reds have done over the past four days. And I want to get to a poll question in a second. But overall, this box score, they didn't do a ton on offense, like I said. But they had a leadoff hitter getting walks. That's rare for the Reds. Jesse Winker walked twice yesterday, which is, is big in my mind. I think just him showing that he's patient at the plate can certainly help, especially on a day where Joey Votto goes 0 for 4. Scooter, Scooter Jeanette went 1 for 4, and really outside of Tucker Barnhart, they were looking for offense all day. Only five total hits. Three of them came from Barnhart, and we'll see. Billy Hamilton walked, by the way, too. So on a day when the offense struggled, on a day when you have a young Tyler Malley on the mound, you don't know what you're going to get. It's cold. You're desperate for a win. You're looking for a win. They got one. Reds manager Brian Price was happy with Malley's effort. He was great. You know, in the first inning, they made him throw some pitches. You know, uh, Hap grinds out and at bat, and, and uh, he ends up having to make some really big pitches in the first and got his pitch count up over 20. And uh, I think the third inning was the inning where he had a really quick inning. And I think that, that kind of saved his bacon with the pitch count. And he really took over, made a ton of good pitches with his fastball. That's Brian Price after the game. Huge. Huge, huge, huge. And what I was worried about, the Reds had set runners on first and third, second and third. And I, was, I thought to myself, there's no way if they don't cash in. It was in, I think, the sixth inning. If they don't get a run here, they're not going to win this game. And I was concerned, and I was worried, and they ended up not getting anything there. And the bullpen put it to bed. Here's Price on the bullpen's effort to secure a one nothing victory over the Cubs. You know, our bullpen is, is trying, we're starting to, trying, I, don't, I hate to say define roles, but trying to find the best way to, to mix them. And in this case, it, was, um, it, it wasn't as challenging when you just have to go to, you know, to Hughes, Peralta, and Iglesias. And Eggy was big coming back after pitching an inning yesterday. Coming in and having to face Bryant and then Rizzo, get the last out of the inning, and then, you know, there's not really a lot of easy outs in their lineup, and I thought he handled that ninth inning extremely well. Rasiel Iglesias. It was good to see him, one, get out there, two, pitch in a tough spot, have to get big outs and do so. Because, look, let's be honest, it's a fourth, fourth game of the year. First time you could really use Rasiel Iglesias. The Reds didn't have a lead for the first 30 innings of the season. That's insane. Jimmy Sandy is our producer, and uh, he's an Indians fan. He doesn't have to deal with those kind of problems. Leads for 30 innings. But uh, the Reds were able to hang on. Rossiel Iglesias, uh, Iglesias took advantage. And now 1-3. That's not so bad. 0-4. Oh, 
We're having a different conversation. I'm James Erpine. This is Cincy 360 on ESPN 1530. And I tweeted this out, at James Erpine on Twitter. I, I want to get to the poll results because when I post these, I, I want to gauge the fan base. I want to see what you guys are thinking. And it's a pretty simple question. How would you grade the Reds' first four games? A, B, C, or D slash F? Because I can't, that doesn't give you five options. Right now, 88% say C, D, or F. 88%. And I saw that in, heck, there's nearly 800 votes, still 20 hours to vote, and I would love to get your votes at James Erpine on Twitter. I don't feel that way. And I tried to temper expectations as much as I could on this show because I knew that there would be plenty of growing pains with the starting rotation. At least I thought so. I thought there would be plenty of growing pains with probably including Jesse Winker into that outfield and that outfield rotation and how would it work. Heck, there's going to be a cloud over this team all season on what Brian Price's future is, whether they have success or not. And so I thought the Reds would win between 70 and 75 games. High-end 75, but I could see between 70 and 75. And I I remember posting a poll a couple weeks ago where over half of you, half of the people that voted thought that the Reds would win 76 or more games. A lot of people thought 80-plus. And there's the disconnect. Because to me, I look at the past four days, and it's about what I expected results-wise. And I'm feeling actually pretty good about what I've seen so far. Has the offense came around? No, not really. It was okay Sunday. It was solid on Saturday. But that'll change. I think that'll get better. I think that will improve. What I'm worried about is the starting pitching, the rotation, how it goes, what's happening, how's their their highest paid pitcher doing, Homer Bailey. Well, first outing, returns good. That's great. If I told you or asked you the one pitcher on the red starting rotation that you would have the most confidence in going into the season, that you said, book it, he's going to be great this year, who would it have been? Because I think overwhelmingly, and maybe I'm dead wrong, and you can email me or, or tweet me and tell me how wrong I am, but Luis Castillo is the guy I think everyone said, all right, book it. He's going to be a guy that, the Reds can build around and rely on all season to give them quality outings. Well, so far, four games into the year, the probably safest bet to do so, to give quality starts, is the only one that didn't. Is <laughs> the only one that has struggled so far. So I'm not worried about him. I'm worried about whether or not Homer Bailey can play like it's 2013 and stay healthy. First, in early returns, so far, so good. Heck, if you need to worry or or wonder about Sal Romano and how he would deal with adversity. You saw it on Sunday. He was fine after the first inning. He dealt after the first inning. He recovered after the first inning when he gave up three runs. So if that's the case, and then yesterday we look at young Tyler Malley, and obviously there were expectations, but we don't know what his first start was going to bring. Six innings, no runs, one hit against one of the best, if not the best, lineup in baseball. I mean, to me, that is, it's the early returns for these Reds, A, B, C, D, or F. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'd probably give a B plus. I'd give a B plus for a few reasons. One, the starting rotation. The rotation so far has been all you could ask for in my mind. Six innings here, six innings there. What were you expecting? The expectations were what? And I think that's the disconnect because I've been pleasantly surprised, even though the results haven't been there and they're one and three. I'm okay with that if the rotation continues to develop. And right now, Homer Bailey so far pitched well. Luis Castillo, I think he will turn it around. I think that was just an outlier performance on Saturday. What did Tyler do yesterday? And then obviously Sal Romano and what he did on Sunday. To me, I'd give the Reds a B plus. I'd give the Reds a B plus because Jesse Winker is leading off. Because Jesse Winker's played in every game but one so far. Because even though the rotation is going to be weird with Shebler and Duvall and, and obviously Billy Hamilton and Jesse Winker, it seems like the priority is getting Winker at bats, getting him experience, and so far he's delivered. So if I told you going into this year that they'd, have, they'd get really good or, or at least solid starting pitching in three of their first four outings against the Nationals and the Cubs, they wouldn't win all of them. They'd go one and three. Offense struggles a bit, but it seems like the, uh, the outfield rotation, I can't believe we're talking about rotations in the outfield, but the outfield rotation is going to solve itself. It seems like Jesse Winker has it figured out. Like I said, he was 0 for 2 yesterday. He also had two walks. As a leadoff guy, that's, that's a successful day at the plate in my mind. So overall, early returns, I'm pleased even though they're 1-3. and three. I'm excited that Homer Bailey pitched as well as he did on opening day. I'm excited to see Tyler Malley pitch like that against the Cubs on a cold day, on a day where he couldn't make, afford to make any mistakes. He had to be mistake-free. The bullpen had to be mistake-free, and they were. And they got their first win of the year. So maybe it's yesterday, maybe I'm insane, maybe I'm crazy, but I feel really good about where the Reds are. And if you would have told me on opening day, on Friday, hey, this is what's going to happen. They're going to start one and three, but Bailey's going to uh, pitch six innings, give up two runs. Sal Romano's going to struggle in inning number one and then recover and pitch pretty well on Sunday. Luis Castillo, the guy who you thought you could bank on all season, he struggled a little bit in his first outing. Oh, and, and by the way, Tyler Malley, he was as advertised in a win over the Cubs. Uh, I would probably take it. So I think the, the expectations of 80-plus wins were always unfair. I think, and, and you might say, James, it's way too early to be grading. Fine, but I'm just saying, look at these four games. What do you want them to do differently? What do you want to drastically change? I said it all offseason. Every time we talked about it here on Cincy 360, I said it on my Reds podcast as well. This is a set-the-table year. Not going to do a lot of winning this year. 
I think a little more than, than in the past, obviously 68 wins. To me, though, this is a set-the-table year for whatever whoever's managing the team next year and whatever guys come up like Nick Senzel, top prospects come up and pitch, whatever free agents they sign in 2019. I want to know after this season, into the offseason, that they have three to four starting pitchers that you can bank on for next year, that you can count on. I want to know if Jesse Winker can be the everyday right fielder next year. No longer a rotation. I want to get answers to a bunch of these questions. And I think the first, first four games, Brian Price has put the Reds in position to get answers. So far, the starting pitching has been okay, which is certainly better than we've seen. And even though the results aren't there, I would give them a B. What say you? Vote in the poll at James Erpine on Twitter. And uh, right now, nearly 800, you, 800 of you have voted, and over 88% give the Reds a C, D, or F. And now it is over 800 votes. So make sure you check that out as well. A ton on tap for you here on Cincy 360. As you could probably tell by now, Mo not in today. He's not in today at, from 3 to 6 either. Lance in making his ESPN 1530 2018 debut. I don't think he's been on. So, yeah, 2018 debut on ESPN 1530 is Lance today, 3 to 6. I know he's got plenty of reds. I know he's got some Bengals on tap as he does some national championship and college hoops talk. And I have a, a main takeaway, a big takeaway from yesterday. Because Villanova rolled Michigan. I think we all expected Villanova to win. Most of us did. And they did. There was never a time in yesterday's game where Villanova, I felt like Villanova was in trouble, even though Michigan had the lead early. With that being said, do you remember what the narrative was with Villanova a couple years ago? We'll get to that and what it means for the local teams next. I'm James Rapine. Mo out today. This is Cincy 360 on ESPN 1530. Oh, Cincy 360 resumes on ESPN 1530, Cincinnati's sports station. I'm James Rapine. Mo out today. Lance back at it. 303. Lance McAllister makes his 2018 ESPN 1530 debut. A lot to get to with Lance. I know he's going to talk a little UC football. He's going to talk uh, some college hoops, which I'm, which I'm going to get to in a second. Some Reds, obviously the Reds with a big win yesterday. And I do want to say this because I'm getting a, a bunch of tweets at James Rapine. John says, just stop. You give them a B plus. Are you drunk? And you keep saying it looks good. What looks good? One and three and you're excited? Our expectations are a World Series victory. That is never, never, ever, ever, never, ever, ever, and I probably got the never and ever is confused, going to happen with the owner we have. <laughs> That's why your, your expectations are wrong. The Reds aren't winning the World Series. Breaking news. Hey, Jimmy, is that fair to do? Can we do the break? Breaking news. The Reds will not win the World Series this year. Maybe I'm wrong. And if so, save the clip. If I'm wrong, I'll eat all of the crow. My expectations weren't that high. My expectations for the 2018 Reds were, let's get it to where next season maybe I can consider and realistically look at them and say, yeah, they can make the playoffs. Yeah, they can make a run. Yes, Jesse Winker's the man in right. Yes, they, they have their center fielder of the future potentially. Yes, Nick Senzel's the guy that should be playing short or third long term. Yes, the starting rotation, well, it's solved itself. I have three to four pitchers that, well, we can bank on. Oh, and by the way, the Reds signed, insert whatever free agent you want because they feel good about their chances next season. The Reds told you all you needed to know this offseason. 
They need to figure out what they have in the rotation. They need to figure out what they have in Jesse Winker. They need to figure out what they have with Jose Peraza. It's a lot of question marks. And they want the answers to those before they go and try to fill needs in free agency. So this is what the year is about for me. Hopefully it's the final time we have to have this conversation is this year. This is the final year we, we talk about this. Hopefully next year we're talking about 80-plus wins and high expectations. But my expectations for this team are based on who plays, how they play. If they lose, okay, how'd the rotation do? So far, they've gotten three pretty decent starts out of four games. I'll take that. That's an improvement. Call me crazy. Breakman says, James grades the Reds on a big curve. You have to. You have to grade them on a curve. They're, fi- they're openly admitting they're figuring out what they have, what talent they have. Now, Brian Price isn't going to say that, and he's managing for his job. These players aren't going to say that. They're trying to prove themselves. They want to win, naturally. I want them to win. But I'm also not expecting 85 wins. I think that, that's insane to begin with. I always did. There's no way. Where did they get markedly better, as, as Mo said? He always uses the word markedly. Where did they improve so much this offseason? They need to figure out what they have. That's what this year is. It's going to be a bunch of young guys. And so far, three out of the four outings, including a huge guy named Homer Bailey with a huge contract, he pitched, and he pitched pretty well. You can chime in, poll question, at James Rapine on Twitter. How would you grade the Reds' first four games right now? 840 people have voted. 88% give you uh, 47%. Let's do it this way. Give a C. 41% say D or F. 10% say B. 2% say A. I would give the Reds a B plus after four games. I really would. So I'm, I'm in the, the 10%. I'm James Rapine. This is Cincy 360. Let's, uh, let's talk about yesterday. Let's talk about last night. First off, the national championship game at 920. It's way too damn late. Way too late. Can we get that thing going at 8.40, 8.30? Because at 9.20, I was like, this is what's going to happen. Villanova's going to be winning by just enough to where I think they're going to win the whole time, but not enough where I can turn it off. And that's exactly what happened. Even when they were up 15, I'm like, uh, I don't know if I can risk it. And obviously, they handled their business. They win. They beat Michigan 79-62. Jay Wright's squad goes 36-4, and four wins their second national title in three seasons. By the way, if you missed one shining moment, I posted it on on the blog. UC's featured. There's a a Xavier feature there as well. It's uh, really well done, as it is every year. ESPN1530.com slash James. And yesterday's game, what does it mean? Well, here locally, I I was thinking about it. And Jay Wright and Villanova, they're not going anywhere. They've won two out of three titles. They're going to make life really hard on Xavier and Travis Steele. <laughs> really hard on him. I mean, that's because they're not going to go anywhere. They're going to be really, really good. And just look at DiVincenzo was insane. And, and I probably said his name wrong, but he was insane. His block, that was probably one of his best plays of the day. He had a bunch of threes, some really good passes. But his block when he went straight up yesterday was awesome. But I, I was thinking about this. And what does this mean for local teams? Villanova's won two out of the last three years. They're dominant in the Big East. 
and they're truly a great team. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And probably a dynasty in the making. It doesn't seem like Jay Wright's going to go anywhere, and why would you? And it doesn't feel like Villanova's going to be down anytime soon. And I, I thought about it. And I was thinking about different ways. If there's any way, any reason... Villanova should give you hope. Let's say if you're a UC fan or if you're a Xavier fan searching for your first Final Four. UC fan hoping for a a deep tournament run past the Sweet 16. All you have to do is Google. And what I did is I Googled Villanova upset tournament 2015. And I found a bunch of articles, a bunch of them, about how Villanova had been upset again. Five observations from NC State's 71-68 upset of top-seeded Villanova in the third round. Villanova is the first one seed to fall in this year's tournament. i read some more here for you. The NCAA tournament is an unfeeling annual prairie life, giving and dream-destroying in equal measure. And they, he, wrote about, he writes about uh, Villanova losing. Remember the flute girl? I might tweet this out. The crying girl for Villanova, it went viral after they lose 71-68. And you understand that that was just a couple years ago. It's in 2015. Since then, they've gone on to win two out of the three national championships. Since then, they've debunked any narrative that Jay Wright's team can't get it done. That was a thing. That was a cloud hanging over the Villanova Wildcats basketball program. Oh, man. They just, they can't win the big one. Jay Wright, is he the man for the job? And I think about it locally, and Xavier, obviously, they've made multiple Elite Eight runs, but fans were hoping this year would be the year they get to the Final Four. Unfortunately, it wasn't. UC fans hoping, searching for a deep tournament run, haven't been to the Elite Eight in years and years and years and years and years, and it didn't happen this year either. And I think especially for UC the narrative moving forward, especially the way they lost to Nevada up 22 with 10.57 left, is going to be, yeah, but they don't make deep tournament runs. They win in the American Athletic Conference. They'll get a pretty good seed. They don't make make deep deep, uh, tournament runs. And that narrative, while it will be there more than ever now, especially next year, no matter where UC gets seeded, as long as they make the tournament, that will be the narrative. But this is just a reminder that it disappears with one run. Just like that. It disappears instantly. I had to search hard. Like, I had to do multiple Google searches to find all these articles. Think about how dumb they sound right now. Like, the Big East was overrated and few teams succeed by living by the three. How the overrated Big East led to Villanova's downfall. That was in 2015. Oh, she was playing the piccolo, by the way. Look, Villanova crying piccolo player visibly upset after Wildcats are upset. And it just goes on and on and on. All these different articles about how Villanova underachieved. And they did. 
But that goes out the window the moment you make a run. Mick Cronin gets the Bearcats to the Final Four next year. Anyone talking about how he's underachieved in the tournament, how they hurt and let a lot of people down this year, including themselves? No. Xavier finally gets to a Final Four in the next couple years with Travis Steele. Do you think you're worried about dropping one to Florida State in Chris Mack's final game as Xavier's head coach? Those narratives go out the window the moment you make a run. The moment you make a deep tournament run, and in Villanova's case, they had gotten to the Final Four, but their bar was higher. Their expectations different. You see Xavier, the moment they get to a Final Four, that changes. Now, certainly much easier said than done. We're talking about a Villanova program that's one of the greatest in the country. But all it takes is one. All it takes is one tournament run. And if you have that one run, you're not going to be able to say, yeah, but he underachieves. Uh, Mick, he always underachieves in the tournament. Oh, Xavier, yeah, they'll, they'll make runs once in a while, but they, they've never been to a Final Four. All those narratives go out the window. I'm James Rapine. This is Cincy 360 on ESPN 1530. I'll get to more of your tweets on the Reds coming up in a few minutes. Yesterday's game, it's just, honestly, Villanova's so damn good. So, so good. And it's right, Jimmy, Sandy makes a good point. Huggins is loved here, right? Got to one Final Four. Now he's been to one at West Virginia, maybe two at West Virginia, but I only got to one here at UC. But you make that one run, the narrative changes. And so I just wanted to remind you, three years ago, it wasn't long ago. Hell, if you're, uh, you know, imagine the difference in three years. If you were a freshman in college and you're a senior in college and now, Villanova was this underachieving basketball program that could never get it done in March. And now, well, they've won two titles in three seasons. And they're poised to be great for a long, long time. So I get it. It sucks locally. But Villanova's the prime example of all it takes is one. And in their case, now they got two. I'm jealous. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be tough for Travis Steele to overtake Villanova. I know Xavier... Finished ahead of them in the Big East. But it doesn't feel like Villanova is going anywhere. Think about it. Villanova lost the Big East. They were 36-4. and four. And yesterday I was thinking about, like, how did they lose four games? How did they lose four games? They covered it all six games in the tournament. They, and I know they had some injuries earlier in the year, so maybe that's it. But they covered the spread in all six games. Won by 16 and 17 points in the final four. <laughs> that's dominance, dominance. And uh, so I'm not saying hope for that if you're UC or Xavier, but I'm just saying that the narratives, narrative has certainly changed. I'm James Erpine. This is Cincy 360. At James Erpine on Twitter, we get, uh, let's see, we got a lot of tweets to get to as well on the Reds because I gave them a B-plus through four games, and it doesn't sound like many, many of you are on board with that. We'll update the poll question. We'll get a look at some Bengals stuff. There's a lot of Bengals. I have some Andy Dalton coming up, a little Joe Mixon. What A.J. Green said about Odell Beckham Jr. And on this date 29 years ago, the kid became the kid. We'll get to that as well as Cincy 360 rolls on. This is ESPN 1530. Cincy 360 continues on ESPN 1530, Cincinnati's sports station. Mo out today. I'm James Erpine. This is Cincy 360. Lance, 
makes his uh, Lance McAllister makes his ESPN fifteen thirty debut in twenty eighteen. Three to six today. I know he's got a ton on tap, including Bengals, including Reds. So stay tuned for that today at three oh three. Um a lot to get to here. We're gonna get to the Bengals in just a few minutes. You'll hear from Jeff Hobson of Bengals.com on the offensive line and the draft. I do want to get to a couple tweets. And I want to get to some of your tweets at James Rapine on Twitter. The big poll question of the day. Nearly 900 people have voted. Thanks to everyone who's voted. Still like 20 hours left in the poll. How would you grade the Reds' first four games? Right now, 2% say A. That's fair. 10% say B. 47% say C. 41% say D or F. And um, it's, it's interesting because if you're going – Based on results, one and three. Sure, you don't want the Reds to go one and three for the rest of the year every four games because that would suck. That's not going to happen. But to me, and Jimmy Sandy was talking about this during the break, like plenty of teams lose, baseball teams, go on three or four game losing streaks, especially to really good teams like the Nationals. Like I, I look at what the Reds have done this year so far, and I'm pretty good happy with the results that's why I would give them a B plus again three out of the four times their starters have gone out there they've pitched pretty well they've given pretty solid effort now did it result in wins no do things need to get better if yes but in my mind I want to see what Tyler Malley can do and it's great yesterday six innings zero runs one hit Sal Romano battled back to have a pretty good outing on Easter Sunday. Luis Castillo, who I think is probably the safest option all year to have success, struggled in his debut, not concerned. Homer Bailey played pretty well on opening day. So to me, that's the biggest thing. That and, oh, by the way, the Jesse Winker experiment, so far working. So I give the Reds a B plus. You can vote at James Erpine on Twitter. Let's get to some of your tweets and uh, – John says, I think facing Scherzer and Strasburg back-to-back is a tough sample size to use. Absolutely. Look, I I agree. Mo and I talked about it yesterday on Cincy 360. It was going to be tough to get more than one win against the Nationals. They didn't come out with any. Uh, Matt says, I'm not grading anything yet. This is a marathon, not a sprint. Plenty of uh, things to change and settle. No doubt about that. Sean gives the Reds a B based on what he saw from the starting pitchers. Oh, look at that. Agreeing with, agreeing with me, uh, things can get interesting if they continue to keep uh, the Reds in the game as, as far as the starting pitching goes. Michael says, way early grade, but D slash F. I've watched the first four games, and you just don't know what Reds team you're going to get. Pitching could be on point, and they don't get help from the offense. We could be killing it on offense, but the pitching is awful. They can't seem to put the two together. That's fair. That's fair. You are hoping... But, but the thing with that is the Max Scherzer thing, is the Steven Strasburg thing. That's, that's certainly part of it. Today, John Lester, not going to get any easier. By the way, game time, 640 today for the Reds. And uh, Will says, solid B. Um, Stamp on Twitter says, anyone that tweets D through F isn't paying attention. The starters outside of Castillo, and I'm not too worried about him, looked great. The bullpen struggled but was also missing a couple pieces the first few games, and the offense faced arguably the best one to three starters in the National League. That's fair. Look, that's fair. Uh, it's, to me, it's all about expectations. 
my expectations were around 75 wins and figuring out what you had long term. So far, I like what I've seen from the rotation. I'm James Erpine. This is Cincy 360 on ESPN 1530. Okay. You can chime in on the poll question. Another 20 hours or so in the poll question at James Rapine on Twitter. It's time for Cincy 360 Quick Hits on ESPN 1530. This is pretty much all Bengals for Quick Hits. All Bengals, except for for a couple things here. And uh, we'll get to Jeff Hopson coming up uh, in about five minutes. But uh, Andy Dalton says the Bengals are close to returning to the playoffs. In an interview with Pro Football Talk, he says, I do think we're close. If you look at last year, there's four or five games that came down to the last couple of minutes of the game and under a touchdown difference. I think if a couple of those games had flipped, we could have made the playoffs last year. Obviously, we didn't finish some of these games. I think we're close. I think we've got the right guys. We'll add some more once the draft happens. At this point, I'm just looking forward to getting back, working with everybody and being around everybody. I get it. He's, first off, he's got to say that. Two, I pretty much like everything the Bengals have done this offseason so far. I, don't, I might not love it, but overall, pretty good so far uh, offseason-wise for the Bengals. I'll ask Jeff Hobson about uh, what they did, how they traded back the Cordy Glenn move coming up in a couple minutes. A.J. Green says trading Odell Beckham would be stupid. Uh, in an interview with NFL Network, he said, that's stupid. That's stupid, man. It's a once-in-a-lifetime or once-in-a-generation talent, man, and you've got to be ready. I think he'll get paid. They're not that crazy. Look, I love this A.J. Green. This outspoken, like, kind of pissed off A.J. Green. I, I imagine a couple years ago, A.J. Green saying, yeah, the Giants are stupid. Or that rumor is stupid. Or him saying, get me the ball after week two of the season. I like this A.J. Green, this more aggressive, blunt, honest version. And uh, we've seen it, we've seen it, we've seen it. And, heck, I've already tossed it out there. Go, go get him, Bengals. <laughs> as far as Aldo Beckham's, Beckham is concerned. We'll get one more here. And five rookies who could make significant jumps. And ESPN has Joe Mixon on the list. And I think this goes hand-in-hand hand with Andy Dalton in the playoffs. If the Bengals are going to get to that next level, which is playoffs from 7-9 and nine to, let's say, 10-6, and six, the biggest thing they're going to have to do is run the football. The biggest thing they're going to have to do is get Joe Mixon and Giovanni Bernard involved consistently. And I, can they do that? Hopefully they upgrade the line. By the way, I do have a mock draft out right now, ESPN1530.com slash James, in which the Bengals, spoiler, they get better in the trenches in mock draft 3.0. You can check it out at ESPN1530.com. But, yeah, I think the key to next season on offense is getting the run game going, getting it consistent again. I mean, it was awful last year. It was the worst. The run game, honestly, for the Bengals, and their offense was dreadful anyways, but their rushing attack was worth, worse than anything the Reds have done through four games. <laughs> and people are giving them Ds and Fs. Just an idea. I mean, it was awful. So the key to next season offensively certainly will be uh, the run game. Joe Mixon will certainly have to be a part of that if that's the case. One more here. And on this date, 29 years ago, I'll give you a second on this. It's a baseball question. Do you know what happened? 
on this date 29 years ago, Ken Griffey Jr. made his major league debut. Here's the call, his first major league at bat for the Seattle Mariners. And the call was so spot on. Here it is. 20, 25 years from now, you're going to want to say, I was there when Ken Griffey Jr. made his home debut. So don't forget that on Monday night. There's a drive into the gap in left center field and deep left center field. And Henderson's not going to get to it. It's off the base of the wall. And Griffey to second base in his first major league at bat. A ringing double off the 375 marker. And we have seen that all spring. Welcome to the show, Ken Griffey Jr. And they're going to grab the ball and put it in the dugout for him after the ball game. Look at this. Had a chance to get out of here right at the base of the 375 mark. What a way to break in. Big smile on Ken's face as he pulled into second base. And that just, that brings goosebumps to me, Dave. I've seen a few openers in my time, but uh, first at bat, this kid's had a lot of weight on his shoulders. How about that? The fact that they said 20 to 25 years from now, you'll have wanted to be here. You'll remember where you were. Then he rips a double. Then he goes on to hit 630 home runs and has a Hall of Fame career. <laughs> It's awesome there. So 29 years ago today, Ken Griffey Jr. made his major league debut. Let's, uh, let's get a couple of minutes on the Bengals because I mentioned the draft. I mentioned potentially getting back to the playoffs. And Jeff Hobson of Bengals.com joined me on Friday. This entire interview is at ESPN1530.com slash James. And I asked Jeff about the offseason and about – because they've made some changes on the offensive line already. They went after Bobby Hart, a right tackle from the Giants. They signed or traded for Cordy Glenn, and they fired Paul Alexander, moved on from Paul Alexander, brought in Frank Pollock from the Cowboys to be the new offensive line coach. Here's Jeff Hobson on the changes they've made uh, in the offensive line department. Well, it's something I'm very expectant about, uh, James, uh, very expectant. Uh, um, to me, um, they have declined the last two years – largely because their skilled players have not been able to perform because of the offensive line. Dalton's play, I think Dalton has played well in the face of adversity. I know you'll get the other, you know, I, I, I think he's kept in it. He's the reason they won 13 games and didn't win eight. I mean, I, I think he's really hung in there. And uh, I don't know if it's scheme, if it's players. It's probably a combination of both. But, you know, they have to, they, they have got to turn this thing around. You know, I mean, um, um, a lot of people looked at back in the day in the 90s when Montoya left, you know, that was the beginning of the end. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people were trying to make the same supposition with Witt and Zeitler going. Well, they've got a chance to turn that around because they did in the, they did this year what they didn't do in the 90s, made a bold move. They get a very good left tackle, and they're in prime shape. They're in prime shape in the first and second rounds to draft some offensive linemen, which they did not do in the nineties. They relied on Jim McNally's guile to uh, get, uh, you know, to to develop guys. So I think you know they're really looking to turn to that. I think this year with the hiring of Pollock, and I think the kind of people they're going to bring in. That's Jeff Hobson, Bengals.com. This entire interview is on my blog, ESPN1530.com slash James. Let's get one more from Jeff. And in, in my mind, the best part 
of the Cordy Glenn trade draft-wise. Obviously, you get a quality left tackle under contract for the next three years. That's great. That's all well and good. And that helps the offensive line, gives them a boost. But they traded back nine picks, and it gives them flexibility. Now the Bengals don't have to reach on a tackle if they didn't feel that that was the best player available. Available. They don't have to go and, and see what they could do. It, it opens up their draft board. I could see them taking a corner in the first round, a safety in the first round, a linebacker in the first round. I could see them going defensive line, offensive line in the first round. I think their board is wide open, and I ran by, I ran that by Jeff Hobson. If trading, trading back opened up the Bengals draft board. Well, I think you said it. It opened it up. I mean, it's almost like it's a freebie pick there. Uh, you just you just lean back and you take the best guy there. And uh, you know, people will say, well, you know, you know, it's okay to take a corner there if he's the best player. You know what I mean? I think sure. that's a. I think they view it as a. You know, I think in the first round they see it as a as uh, as a starter who plays a premium position. And if they've already got one. At a premium spot, I don't think that matters. As long as he's the best player up there, I still think they're going to do that. Because, you know, we've heard that this is a deep draft. Guards, centers, you know, rounds two, three, four, you know, that's pretty, it, it sounds like that's going to be pretty lucrative in those if the guys in centers. So, you know, you don't have to grab one. You know, I don't think you have to grab anything at the, in the first round. I think you got to make sure you get the, you got to make sure you get a quality guy. You got to make sure that you know um, that he can start, mm -hmm. and you can't grab him just because he fills a need. Yeah. That, that, you know, you might have had to. That's why number twelve. And you're exactly right. Twelve didn't match. There wasn't an. In, there was. It was too low for an impact player, and it was too high to fill a need. So, you know, now I think you have filled the need with Glenn, and now you can lean back, take the best player, and then you can pick, pick guys off uh, through the rest of the draft. That's Jeff Hobson, Bengals.com. I'm looking at the blog right now, ESPN1530.com slash James. That entire interview is there. I talked with Pat Brennan of the Enquirer on why Xavier chose Travis Steele. You can listen to that. Mock Draft 3.0, the win now edition. And one shining moment, that and more on the blog, ESPN1530.com slash James. Make sure you chime in on the poll question of the day on the Reds. What would you grade them through the first four games of the year? We'll post those results on the blog as well at ESPN1530.com. Thank you so much for listening. Lance making his ESPN1530 debut in 2018, coming up in two hours and eight minutes from right now. Stay tuned for that. I'm James Rapine. Thank you so much for listening to Cincy 360. Stephen A. Smith show is next on ESPN1530. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.